All right, we are live. This is Ian Sags that are here with the Less Friction, More Business podcast. And we've got, okay, Jennifer, I want to apologize in advance because I should have asked you this before we started recording, but it's the your last name is pronounced Ruhr? Correct, yep. Okay, cool. So we've got Jennifer Ruhr on the podcast today in a little bit different direction. She comes from a legal and you know data security data privacy background but i think a lot of insight she can provide us she's been working from home since uh is it 2004 correct yep since 2004 so i think given the situation that we're all in right now um i think that's going to be really insightful so jennifer i'm just gonna i'm just gonna pass it over to you and kind of allow you to explain your background how you got into law where you studied and and the types of positions you've been in over the last, you know, um, you know, X amount of years. So if you don't mind sharing with us. Sure. So I uh, started with Adobe in 1999 as a paralegal in Seattle. And in 2004, uh, my husband and I decided to move to Ohio, uh, where he grew up and his family was from. And so we, um, you know, went and told our respective um, uh, bosses. And fortunately for me, I had some really great um, managers with Adobe and they worked to get me a position working remotely from Ohio. Um, and so I became the first um, remote uh, legal employee at Adobe. Uh, from there, I worked um, until uh, 2018. Uh, during that time, I went to law school at night, worked full time, um, became a lawyer, and so I was able to um, practice law with Adobe. Um, I moved from doing product uh, support, was where I started, uh, into privacy and security at about in about 2013. Um, and so then in uh, 2018, I left, um, and I got to uh, move to this wonderful boutique law firm uh, based in Seattle, Hinty Law, um, and we do uh, pri privacy and data security law. Uh, we work really closely with businesses and help them with their privacy and data security matters. We're still working remotely, uh, just for a, a different group. Okay, very cool, very cool. So before I, before we dive into this working remotely um, topic, which is, I think, going to be the majority of the conversation, just given this entire like crazy COVID-19 life we're all living, you said something, you went to law school at night while working full-time. Full How difficult was it to manage that type of workload while also you know, ha having a family and being around your husband's family as well. How, mm -hmm. how difficult is it to manage all of those various, you know, you know, roles and I guess responsibilities that you have? Yeah, at the time yeah. it, it was, it was uh, quite an undertaking. We had two very young kids, two boys. Um, my husband is actually a farmer. And so, um, and so he was home with them. We were all home together during the day. So I, I empathize right now with all the parents uh, who are at home trying to work during the day uh, with their kids at home. And so uh, we, we were figuring out boundaries um, anyway. So I think one of, the, one of the biggest challenges working at home, especially when there's a number of you at home, is, is kind of figuring out where those boundaries are and, and how to enforce them and when to be flexible. Um, but we, we had some, you know, we had some certain signals. If my door to my office was open, then, you know, the kids could come in and, and hang out with me while I was working. If the door was closed, it typically meant I was on a phone call. Um, things like that, just signals. 
Um, but then going to school at night added added kind of some new challenges um, from both kind of having the family at home perspective um, and boundary setting with my with my coworkers. Um, because a lot of the things I'm hearing from folks who are new to working at home is, you know, when does my day start? When does my day end? Um, and and trying to figure that out. And by going to law school, it actually made me really focus on ensuring um, that that I could set and and manage those boundaries with both my family and my coworkers. Okay, yeah, I can totally relate to the whole not knowing when the day starts because I think now it's kind of, I, I kind of just roll out, and you probably will cringe at hearing this. I roll out of bed and just go to my couch because I don't even have a desk. I'm in a one bedroom apartment in downtown Salt Lake City and it's pretty small. So I just get on my couch and open up my laptop and start typing away. So that's probably not very, that's probably not best practice. So let's shift to that. <laughs> what is, what is, I want to ask before we dive into best practices, what are some like don'ts? Like do not, if you are going to work, since we're now all working from home, from your experience and from what you know, you've you know you've been doing over the last X amount of years. What are some like big don'ts and big like no's to working from home? Like things we should just avoid. For for me, it's um, it's ensuring that I've managed my distractions. It's super easy to get distracted when you're working from home. There's there's so many things that you're looking around. You you all of a sudden have this incredibly critical eye of your home space that maybe you haven't had because you're in and out and your focus is on, on other priorities. And all of a sudden, uh, you're in this space for a very long time and you're noticing, oh, I could really use another coat of paint or maybe I want to, you know, and all of a sudden those things become distractions during your workday. Um, so one of the things I try to do is you know, on the weekends or in the evenings is figuring out what those distractions for me are and managing those before my next workday. So if I noticed I was overly focused on a stack of paper, right, you know, my bills or, or, you know, something like that, um, really trying to, to manage that so that when I am sitting down and all of a sudden it's now no longer my kind of home space, it's now my workspace, wherever that is, that distraction isn't there for me anymore. Okay. That's really insightful. Yeah, mine is clean my apartment. I notice that every day now, and I have been <laughs> neglecting that for six months. But I mean, to, again, from that perspective, what if there are things like, you know, like you said, children, like I don't have any kids, but you know, you said that was something you had, you had dealt with, you know, when you were moving into that position with Adobe. Like, how do you manage, especially with younger children, how do you set those expectations? And does it require a lot of a lot of help from your spouse to, to kind of say, Hey, I, I'm, I'm, I have these three meetings today. I need you to be like on lockdown from 10 to from nine to 10, one to two and three to four. Is that kind of how you would set it? You would get some yeah, extra actually, help from we, your spouse? Yeah, exactly. So um, we, I mean, we communicated with each other as often as possible. So I knew what his schedule was for the next day. He knew what my schedule, and of course it's, it's fluid, right? It's, it's mm -hmm. pretty dynamic because, you know, I'd show up in the morning and I had three more meetings than I had the night before. Um, um, we, <laughs> we use text messaging all the time. We're constantly texting each other inside the house. Um, or, you know, he'll know I have a meeting. My door is closed. Um, two little boys are like puppies. They're constantly fighting. And so I would be in the middle of a call. Uh, I tended to stay on mute unless I was talking in case something happened. And um, it never 
failed the minute I went off mute, you know, somebody was, you know, knocking somebody else into a wall. So I'd be texting my husband going, hey, <laughs> you know, can you come manage this? I'm just because, picturing that in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm on a call. Um, and of course, you know, and then he would and, and, and vice versa. So if he had something going on, you know, he could, he could reach me and, and we tag teamed. For sure, for sure. That's that's. I mean, that's that's awesome, and it's awesome to have that that type of help in place. Um, but again, that it, this all sounds very. Again, for you, this is normal. But for so many people out there, they were like, "What is going on?" Because I have to say, I've been on some calls with like five plus people lately, and I don't think everyone's figured out the mute button yet on Zoom. <laughs> and it's, we need to put out a webinar that says, hey, there's this button in the bottom left corner. And if something is going on in your house, you need to click it <laughs> because it's just, it's, it's a fun one. Um, and especially when people call in from their phone, but they don't mute their computer and they have like, they have both audios going on at the same time. That's just, that's painful. That hurts. Yeah. 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 But you kind of get that echo. Yep. Yeah, the echo, and then people typing and taking notes on on the call while 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 they're not on mute. That's another one. It's just like, oh, come on, guys, we got it. We got to get there. We got to be better at this. But you the mute said, button is your friend. Yeah, it is the your mute friend. Button is it can it can it can save you from a lot of hassle. And, but another, and you can do things like having a post-it note, like my mute is on, my mute is off, right? You know, yeah, to give yourself yeah. a if because sometimes the 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 bar goes away. You know, the the UI will often disappear on you. I've, I've noticed that with Google Hangouts, especially, and I'm like, oh my gosh, am I on mute? Am I not on mute? And so sometimes I'll, you know, make a note for myself here on mute, well, you know. This is, this is so bad to admit, but I, my CEO and I had a call um, recently with a company and it's a company I have a personal connection with. So like I knew everyone on the call that we were speaking to. I'm not like know them like really know, but I know people within my circle that know them really well. So I was the one who like introduced everybody. And when it came to do my round of the introduction and it kind of explained my role at Graphite, I w it was Skype and I'd never used Skype business before. I was on mute and I didn't know I was on mute. So like there was this pause for like 30 seconds and my CEO just jumped in and said, oh yeah, Ian's on this side of Graphite and he does this. And I'm like, did they not just hear what I said? Like, I like asked them how they were doing and I was on mute the whole time. So I didn't realize that. So I, I did not say a word that entire call. Um, oh, no. it, was, it was really funny. But going back, going, sorry to get off the rails there, but going back to that, you mentioned you were the first employee within the legal side at Adobe to work remotely, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How difficult was it? You And again, you said, those expectations of this is when my day starts, this is when my day ends, especially when you went to law school. How difficult, I guess two questions here, how difficult is it to manage those expectations with your employees and maybe your supervisors, whoever, whoever you're reporting to during that time and kind of saying, hey, this is when I'm online, these are, these are the things I can do, et cetera, et cetera. And then the second question to follow up on that would be, was there any and this is this could just me me being petty and having petty experiences, but sometimes if I were to go work from home, some of my coworkers wouldn't like it because they wanted to mm -hmm. work from home. And maybe I got there were some things within a couple jobs I had where I got a special permission to work from home for for personal reasons, and some people didn't like that. So were, was there any of that? Did you ever experience any of that? So first, again, managing expectations with your employee with your fellow employees and and uh, and supervisors and then also was there any like jealousy or ill will towards you because you moved remotely 
Yeah, so, so for the setting expectations um, with my, my colleagues, you know, both managers and, and people I, I managed, um, it, it, was, it wasn't too difficult in the beginning. Then there were some bumps and then it got better. And, and part of it was there, there's a lot of, I think, experimenting that you do when you first start working remotely. Uh, and I think maybe for me, it was a little easier because not everybody was trying to figure it out at once uh, the way a lot of people are right now. Um, I had a great relationship with my managers. And so uh, we spoke ahead of time, kind of, you know, setting setting expectations. You know, what were their expectations for my being available? Um, you know, what my workload expectations were? Um, and, you know, they they were constantly checking in with me to make sure that we were kind of level setting and, and adjusting where that needed to happen. And so through that experience, then I kind of carried that through to when I was working um, with with people um, who were reporting to me. And so, you know, it, it's, it's a constant communication loop um, and to always be asking questions. So for instance, one-on-ones, you know, we all have one-on-ones with our managers um, or our, you know, people that we're managing. And a lot of times those can focus primarily on to-do lists or tasks. You know, where are you on this thing? How are you doing on this thing? Uh, our conversations, you know, had some of that, but then it was, you know, how is it going? Um, you know, are you, are you getting the IT support that you need? Are you getting the people support that you need? Are you feeling engaged? Um, you know, when you're dialing into a meeting, are people remembering to, you know, dial into the meeting bridge? Because a lot of meetings happened face-to-face. And so when you ha- when you kind of have have that type of a work culture, and then you throw in a remote employee, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times it'd be ten minutes into the meeting, and I'd be sitting there on hold listening to that horrible music, waiting you know for somebody to dial in as I'm trying to reach them through IM or you know um, through email. And so we had a lot of those conversations built into our one-on-ones to make sure that um, you know the the remote was was working the way that we wanted it to. Um, and then now I have that conversation too with, with the people that I work with um, and trying to help them figure out how to, how to adjust to that. Um, and, and again, I think right now, because everybody's working from home, I've had so many meetings happening on time and everybody, because we're all dialing in together. So yeah. I think that, that's kind of a, a, a the plus side. Um, for your second question, I was pretty lucky in that people understood that my situation um, was, it was a little different. It wasn't, um, I think it, it would have been a lot harder for me to, to make the transition uh, to remote um, if I had remained in the same city where our office was at that time. Um, but because we were coming back to Ohio, um, it was due to my, my father-in-law being ill. Um, and so they, I, I was moving regardless. So the question was, you know, you know, can, can I stay or, or do I need to go find something else? And they all worked really hard. And I had so many great people advocating to allow me to stay um, that it, it, we didn't really, at least to my knowledge, there, there wasn't that sense. There wasn't any jealousy or envy. And a lot of people would even say, you know, I don't know that I could, to, could do what you do. I'd be too distracted or, you know, I, I don't know that I could be that far you know, away from the team and, and things like that. And so it was great because it, 
my situation allowed us to have a lot of those conversations up front. Um, so I didn't get a lot of feedback that there was any ill will or jealousy for my yeah. being able to work remotely. That, that's awesome. And that's really good to hear and, and people, you know, understanding those situations. And from, and from my experience, I don't see typically when people want to work from home, it's not typically because there's usually a reason behind it, mm -hmm. right? There's not, I just want to work from home because I don't want to go to the office because most people, and I, I'm making a huge assumption here. I think productivity probably suffers when they work from home. I think you have to really get into a groove. So, you know, I'm kind of maybe in a similar position. I, I do, before this COVID thing started, um, I was working from home a lot already, but you know, like I said, I live in a small one bedroom apartment. So there wasn't this, I don't have this set up great work from home space. I have a laptop and I usually would go, there's a, a, a very nice quaint little bar um, about, you know, 500 yards away from, from my apartment. So I would go walk there and during the day, cause you know, not a lot of people go to bars at 1 PM or 2 PM. <laughs> I would, I would, I would sit in there and I would just order a diet Coke and just start cranking out work because it was really quiet and the lights were dimmed a little bit. And that's where I could focus um, and finding little niche coffee shops. So it was a little bit easier for me then, but even now I don't think I've had too much trouble adjusting, but going off that, do you have like your own space? Like how, how do you set up your, your home office? Is it like this over the years? I'm sure it's, it's got some upgrades and improvements, mm -hmm. but initially going into it, because when I'm, I'm moving apartments in two weeks and I'm setting up a workspace, I'm like, okay, if I'm doing this COVID thing till, till for six to nine months, probably or however long it lasts, I need a workspace. So if someone's getting into this position, they've just started this work from home flow, what, do, what are some essentials that, let's say they have you know, a couple hundred bucks to spend, what are some essentials they need to get to improve their, their work from home, you know, their work from, like productivity and balance and et cetera, et cetera, for their home office? Yeah, well, and I think it depends on what your, kind of what your role is. For, for me, having a good monitor or two monitors that, you know, I've got, I've got a, a nice big monitor now, so, but I, I used to have two monitors. I do a lot of work on documents. Um, and so I often have three or four documents open at the same time that I need to be um, reviewing and, you know, doing work on. And so to do that for me on, a, on just a laptop um, was, it's nearly impossible. And so, um, you know, for, for me, it was really important to have a space where I could have, you know, the, the monitors set up the way that made me work more efficiently. Um, the other thing for me was investing in a really good headset. Um, and so, um, you know, when you're on calls with people, I, um, being able to, to have something that I could rely on um, was, was probably the, the other big investment I made. Um, a lot of people are doing video calls now. Laptops typically have a camera built into them. I now have one that rests on my on my monitor, um, and so that you know that was important. But other than that, I, I um, you know I had a, a lot more of an office space before. I've actually pared it down quite a bit and made it very minimalist, um, so that I, I didn't feel like for a long time we avoided the room during on the weekends <laughs> where my office was because yeah. it just felt too much like work um a lot of people don't have that luxury you're you know if you're in a studio or a one-bedroom apartment right you, you don't have that so i think kind of 
you know, having what you need to be productive without it feeling like it's taking over your, your home space and, and being able to have a little bit of that separation, I think is important. Okay, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I've had, a, I've had a couple of scans on Amazon, but it's all, it all stressed me out. I look for like two minutes and I just shut it off. Like, <laughs> I can't do this, this sucks. But, but again, it's, just, it's, just, it's such a weird thing. And I, 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 for me, I can't be the only one out there that like has no idea how to do this, right? Um, and this is bad for me to say, because I've been working from home, you know, probably 60 to 70% of the time for the last two months anyways. So I hope my, I hope my boss doesn't listen to this and go, okay, what has he been doing for two months? <laughs> I've been working, I promise. It just hasn't been as efficient as it could be. Um, so from that standpoint, let's, like I just mentioned my boss, I mean, and, and you were, you, you now working with people and having experience managing different teams and, and also, you know, having to report to various people. What is the best form of, I guess, communication? Because we all have Slack now. Do, do, you, do you use Slack right now in your current role? We don't. We use Teams, um, but so okay. but we do instant messaging via Teams. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, out here we're 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 out in Utah. So like in the Utah tech scene, everyone they love Slack. So it's what we're. I I, I have friends who use Teams. So I've seen it before too. It's really similar. Do you feel? So this is my perspective, and I want to get your thoughts on this. When I get a Slack message, I don't feel like I have to respond to it right away. But when I get a text message, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to open this up and, and write back. What is your, and if I get an email, you're not going to hear from me for 48 hours. So what, <laughs> what is your best in, in terms of communicating with people? Do you just pick up the phone and call them? Do you schedule time and in, in, in needing to have those conversations? What's the best way to communicate with the people that you're supervising and also people within like your various teams? So I tend to ask how people like to be communicated with, depending on the urgency of the communication. Um, so that way, when I need something quickly, I, I know that you know I'm going to get a faster response using um, some sort of instant messaging than I am via email, because um, everybody kind of feels differently about about the different messaging um, applications or you know uh, so. Um, so I try to let people know if you need me right away. So on Teams, it shows like right now as we're talking, it shows that you know I'm I'm busy, right? It has a red thing, so people know I'm on a on a call. I think it's really important to have those types of um, visual cues set for whatever you're using. Um, and then when you're the person sending the communication, making sure no matter what vehicle you're using for that communication to identify the urgency of the response. Um, because the because we're all now remote, um, I'm, I'm seeing this especially. Some people are using, you know, Slack, Teams, Jabber, what, what, whatever text messaging, just purely for engagement. Like they, they miss people, they miss that kind of social um, aspect of being in an office. And so even when I, you know, started working remotely, that was my way of uh, that was my representation of the water cooler. So sometimes I would send somebody an instant message just saying, hey, just was thinking about you, wanted to say hi, letting them know, no need to reply, you know, unless you have time, just, you know, just wanted to say hi. So that that's one way. Um, but then if I have an urgent issue, it's usually if I'm going to use instant messaging or, you know, Slabber, Slabber, Slack or Jabber or Teams, it's, hey, do you have a second? Right, and getting, you know, I have a quick question for you. It's fairly urgent. Do you have time, you know, to, to help me out? 
Um, and again, paying attention to the visual cues in all of these, you know, if, it, if they're on a call or if they're busy or if they step stepped away, that sets my expectation on how quickly I'm going to get a response. Um, and then if I don't get one, sometimes then I'll use the text just because I know they'll always have their phone on them, whereas they may yeah. have stepped away from the computer. Um, but it's really important because I can't see you to be clear in your communication about what the urgency is of whatever it is that you're communicating. Yeah, for sure. I think that's really difficult. Like I was just talking to someone about this. When you're in the office, you can, if they don't respond, you can just go to their desk mm -hmm. and if it's urgent. And I think now it's, you know, with me, my boss and I figured out that workflow. If he texts me, then it's like, okay, you need to respond. But that's, that's really interesting to, uh, to hear. And you're and how did it affect your one-on-ones? Because those are, I, I found, so I'm, I want to clarify that I'm really early into my career, so I don't have a, as much insight as, as most people would here, but I have found that one-on-ones are crucial for mm -hmm. understanding, you know, goals and objectives and, and where you need to focus your time and energy. And it, and it really gives a lot of clarity, especially when you're in these types of roles where you have three or four different responsibilities and functions that you oversee getting that from, you know, your supervisor, whoever you're working with, or whoever's working for you in that, in that instance, these one-on-ones are really, really key, really key meetings that companies have in, in your experience working from home. Let's talk about that initial transition. When you initially transitioned to working remotely, how did it affect your one-on-ones? Did you see that they lost a little bit of that personal touch that you would get face-to-face? -face? Did the meetings become a little bit more hey, let's just talk about what we need to talk about and get off the call. Like, let's try to get 10 minutes of our day back. How did you see those meetings change initially? So we would spend a little more time in the beginning of the meeting just communicating, right? Hey, how are things going? How are you? What's new? How's family? How's the farm? You know, um, living on a farm, we often would have a, a good, you know, animal running down the street story. Um, and so having that human engagement first even if it was just for you know two or three minutes before launching into the work uh, that that was really important because that helped me feel like part of the team it helped me feel a little more engaged with my manager I tried to do that when you know people were working with me and and spending a little more time again because they don't have the visual cues they can't see when I arrive at my desk today if I'm stressed or if I've, you know, didn't sleep well the night before. A lot of times when you're walking into an office, you know, your your body language will immediately tell people, you know, what they can expect from you that day from just from yeah, a, for sure. know, yeah. an emotional totally point of view. But you can't really do that. And, you know, a lot of people are very good at masking their their voice or, you know, some of the other cues that, you know, it's almost like um, for me, it felt at first, like I, I was blind, like all of a sudden I had become blind because I couldn't see people and I couldn't, I couldn't read their faces or their body language. And it took me a long time to really figure out the other cues, you know, listening a lot more for vocal cues, um, certain words, phrases, and really understanding when people were, you know, down, you know, what, what were the, the, cues that I could take from them from from more of an auditory perspective than from a visual perspective and that takes a little bit of time because we're so used to to, to um, you know relying on our on our site um, so that's that really helped me with was just kind of having that human moment with with whomever I was speaking to first 
um, you know, and sometimes you can't. I mean, you know, it's a business, so sometimes we would have to just kind of launch into right whatever the whatever the issue was. But I really did appreciate how much effort um, the people that I worked with put into making sure that I was doing okay, and I tried to reciprocate that. Okay, that's really that's actually really good to hear, and I think a lot of people out there can really appreciate that because. I mean, that's something like yesterday, for example, and I, I don't know if I should admit this, but yesterday I went to Costco and I hate going to Costco. I hate it. <laughs> and I, and I spent way too, I've never spent that much money on groceries in my entire life. And it was for me a really stressful moment. And I didn't even get home until I think I left at like nine and I put it on my calendar that I was going, but I didn't get home till like two and I was done emotionally toast. Like was just like, I don't think I can do anything productive today because for me, doing something of that nature just really drains me emotionally. So it, it's kind of good, again, to have those lines of communication where when I caught up with, when I caught up with my boss, it was like, hey, like, I, this is why I didn't do, this is why I wasn't productive today. Like, this happened. And do you think, going off that, like, do you think bosses and, and I use that word bosses, but managers and directors and in these, in these situations, oh gosh, I feel like I'm 18 years old again, using that term. Sorry. <laughs> managers and, and I've been watching a lot of the office lately too. So it's probably Michael Scott going, I'm the boss. But uh, do you think managers and directors like need to be a little bit more understanding of that now? Because we're in this weird time where people's schedules are going to change. Like, do you think it's it's good to enforce this policy of because I've seen both sides I've seen on LinkedIn both sides some managers are like I'm that manager you're clocking in from eight to five today and I'm going to track everything you're doing just to make sure you're productive for your own good then other managers are like just get your work done whenever like focus on you this is a rough time where do you find that balance and where would you lean from your experience if you when managing a team, where would you lean towards more right now, given that we're all, you know, stressed out and not knowing if the, if the economy is going to shut down in two weeks? Yeah, I mean, if I could, if I could say one thing to managers, it is um, substance over form, to the extent possible. I, I realize there's a lot of rules out there that are, you know, it's important that they, you're, you know, you're, but is in the seat from you know eight to four or nine to five or whatever, there, and there are those rules, and, and and I think that's where the you know setting expectations up front comes from, but I really think it's focusing on the substance of the work and not the form. Um, like in my role, it is less important that I'm here from from this time to this time, especially because I'm on the Eastern time zone. The rest of my team is on the Pacific time zone. My clients are global, so it is the expectation is I'm here for my clients when they need me. And as long as I'm getting my work done and I'm meeting my clients expectations and I'm meeting my manager's expectations and my firm's expectations, it's, it's really a lot less about, did I work from eight to five today? Or, you know, um, did I take a lunch break or, you know, did I go to Costco in the middle of the day? As long as, you know, so it's, it's my productivity that matters and, and not necessarily the hours. Um, I've seen lots of, I think there was somebody who, you know, on Twitter had mentioned that their professor had said that they needed to, you know, be dressed for class the way they would dress for class if they were coming to school. And I just think some of that advice is, I understand it because, you know, a lot of times if I'm having a meeting, I'll dress for the meeting, even though maybe I'm not even on camera. But I know it's best for me 
because it helps me feel more professional. But if that doesn't help somebody else and it's actually more stressed for them, it's really hard to kind of self-care when you're by yourself and figuring yeah. out, you know, what what the what your triggers are. And so I think, you know, it's great that other people put that out there, but it, I, I think it's better for people if it's framed as in, this is what helps me. So maybe this will help you rather than this is my expectation of you because that's really form over substance. And I'm, I'm not sure that that's super helpful for people. Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, that's the craziest thing is the, the dressing, the dress code thing. I've, I've, I've seen that a couple of times and people are like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta dress like you're going to work. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm wearing my sweatpants and my t-shirts and that is what's going to happen. Cause that's uh, yeah, for me, it's not that much of a difference, but it's interesting. I've never heard a professor say that to a student. So I find that, I find that. Yeah, no, I thought that was pretty yeah. interesting. Well, I've seen that in other forums too when people are talking. I, I've seen all kinds of interesting advice kind of along those lines. Mm -hmm. And and again, maybe that, that helps that person and, and maybe that, that will help somebody else if they're struggling to kind of figure out, um, you know, how to structure their day or, you know, what, what's going to help them be more productive. In the end, that's all we're trying to figure out is, but, but I think the, the beauty of working from home is that you get to figure that out for yourself. And, mm -hmm. and it's great to hear what's working for other people because then you can take bits of all of that and go, you know what, this really helps me figure out how I can best work from home. Um, you know, some days I'm, you know, in sweatpants and, <laughs> you know, sweatshirt. Um, other days I'm, I'm, I'm dressed a little more professionally because I know I've got, you know, a meeting that's going to require kind of my mindset to be there. And I know that dressing that way will make me, make me feel that way. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's a lot more in your head than than kind of what your physical appearance appearance. It's a lot. It's, yeah, it's it's it kind of seems the way this conversation's kind of gone. It's like find out what works for you, communicate that to your team, and and really just run run with it from there, and, and be flexible and understand that things are things are going to change, right? I yeah, and use yeah. use the tools at your disposal. So, um, you know, if there is a time difference, like I have, I use my my calendar, right? So, um, not not so much now. I, I don't need to, but when I was with Adobe, and especially when I was going to to law school at night, I had my calendar blocked in the evening, um, you know, after 5 p.m. my time, so it's 2 p.m. Pacific. Um, it, you know, so that way, there, again, it's another visual cue for people that I'm, I'm not available. And I, you know, I had a, a message, you know, I'm on the Eastern, I'm on the East Coast time zone school, you know, so they, they could see exactly, you know, what, what was going on for me. Uh, I think the more that you can just be um, more transparent and, and communicate uh, with the way that works for your team, it's going to make it so much easier to then work remotely. Sure, for sure. Awesome. And that's, that's, again, Jennifer, I really appreciate all the insight that you've provided here. And in your experience, I think it's, it's really going to shine a lot of light. And especially for, I guess, you know, people like me who have no idea what's going on right now. Um, but do you mind if I shift gears in the conversation? Because I know mm -hmm. we've spent the majority of the time here talking about working from home. Um, something within this podcast that we like to do is we like to ask, you know, professionals what you know, leadership lessons and leadership advice that they can give to, uh, you know, either aspiring professionals or maybe earlier into their careers or current managers that are especially now facing some challenges and some obstacles within managing their own teams. Uh, given your experience now and at Adobe when you were managing, you know, various different functions, what are some lessons and some, you know, 
I guess, tips that you've learned along the way from a leadership perspective? Uh, I would say overall um, that, and I, I guess it's been kind of the theme of our conversation today, and that is to over communicate. Um, whether you're a manager or whether you're the, you know, the, the contributor. Um, I have found, you know, that I, I've worked with people um, who've worked both in the office and remotely who, you know, didn't set that they worked too too much, right? So I think people kind of they, they fall into different camps and and one of them is, you know, they're going to work probably a lot more than they might have had they been in the office because they feel like they need to do that to be seen. I think as, you know, and, and then you've got people who might do the opposite and, and kind of fly under the radar and, and aren't. Um, so I think probably as a, as a leader, as a manager, um, it's, a, it's so important to one, set the tone, what, what your expectations are for your employee. Um, it's important to reinforce it. So, um, you know, as an example, I had this wonderful manager at Adobe, and she she wanted to do work on the weekends to get caught up. That that's what she needed to do for her. She made it very clear to the rest of us that was not her expectation for us. Very easy to do when you're working remotely because you know you're like we said in the beginning. You know, it's hard to know when your day begins and and when it ends, and that bleeds sometimes into your weekends. And so, as a leader your actions will speak louder than words. Um, if you feel like you need to work on the weekends, that's fantastic. But think about how that's going to impact your team, um, you know, especially your remote team, because they are going to often feel like they have to work a lot harder to be seen, um, you know, for, you know, from anything from a productivity perspective, raises, bonuses, all of that. It gets a lot harder when you're not in the office anymore. Um, so if you're, you know, back to my, my email example, you know, can, can you set up your inbox so that you're, you know, drafting these emails, but maybe they don't send until you log back in on Monday morning, um, you know, and, and how can you set the tone for, for the rest of the team? Um, and then the other thing is just checking in and, and having that constant feedback loop, especially with your remote employees and focusing in on, you know, both their well-being and their productivity and figuring out where the blocks are for them and whether or not there are things that you can do to help, you know, remove those for them. Um, maybe it's a technology issue. Maybe it's a, um, a time issue. Um, maybe it's, you know, like I said earlier, you know, people forgetting to dial into meetings. You know, how, how can you remove some of those blocks for your people working remotely so they, they can feel part of the team and feel productive? And then please don't forget them when they're on the phone. <laughs> So that's also very easy. You know, people, I, I, like my, um, my teams have uh, typically been, you know, on the West Coast and, and they're often all in the room together. And, you know, all of a sudden a debate or, you know, some spirited conversation will break out and there's no way for the person on the phone or on the video to kind of break into that. So um, I had another great manager who always, you know, remembered to pause you know, and, and bring those remote folks into the conversation so you could participate. Yeah, that's okay. Again, really good insight. And I think it's, I, I think that last point's really important. I think getting lost and especially these calls where, you know, nine to 10 people 
can uh, you know it can add up. I think those pauses. That's and it, again, it's it sounds really simple, right? But sometimes we forget it. Like those pauses can be crucial because it allows people the opportunity to jump in and, and voice their opinions or voice their ideas. Um, yeah, I, I, I chuckled when you said "don't forget people on the phone" because I feel that I, I do feel that happens a lot of the time. Um, maybe not so much now because the, the the company I'm with now is a little bit smaller, but even in the past where I'd, I'd hop on calls remotely, um, I, I do feel that has happened. So yeah, I can totally appreciate that. Yeah, the last thing that your employee wants to do is have to shout to be heard, right? Especially yeah. if they're you know introverted, they're not going to. Um, but then if they do, then it just kind of creates a uh, a tone or uh, and then people make assumptions right because then you sound like you're very angry and then it just so I think it's it's really important just to remember that you've, you've got those folks that's another key thing and that ties back into what you said earlier you can't really read people's emotions on on slack or on these video chats I think you have to be a little bit more empathetic um, mm -hmm. especially with everything going on now I think a lot of people as this thing progresses, I guess, inwards, because it's hit from the West Coast and the East Coast, and as it progresses inwards to the country and more cities are affected, um, more and more people are going to be directly affected by what's going on. And I think having empathy is going to be really important here in the future. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, Jennifer, we are running up on the amount of time that we had, uh, that we had, you know, they had scheduled today. I, again, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing this insight. Um, with your experience working from home and also as as a leader within the within the legal department at Adobe, you know, again, thank you so much. And I think anyone who listens to this is really going to appreciate these little nuances. And if they haven't heard them already, um, it's going to be, you know, new information that they can gather. And if they've heard it, then just reinforcement for best practices around working from home. Because from your perspective, do you think this is something we're going to have to get used to over the next little bit? I think so. And I, I, I don't know. I think I, I, it'll be interesting for me to see how many people, I think there'll be a lot of people who want to go back to work and they, they kind of miss that, that social interaction. I think there's a lot of people who might realize the benefit and the productivity of working from home. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting few months. Yeah. I'm still figuring out where I, where I am on that, on that, uh, on that <laughs> scale, but I, I envision that I will be I'll go, you know, you'll always go into the office, especially if you live in the same city, but I can, I can see myself probably going towards that more working from home. I like the freedom. I like the flexibility. It's a, uh, it's really, it's really, it's, it's good. But yeah, Jennifer, thank you so much for having on today. Thank um, you. Thank you for having me.